Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Sometimes your cat can be a mystery, like when they get so attached to certain cardboard boxes. <laughs> but when you use Fresh Step Cat Litter, there's no question that you're making your cat happy. Thanks to amazing odor control, Fresh Step clumping cat litters prevent stinky crumbles and make scooping easy by locking in liquid and odor immediately. That means you can keep your house clean and your bond strong. There's no mystery here. Find Fresh Step Cat Litter at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Friday edition of PFT Live. Here's the... Offensive Rookie of the Year, C.J. Stroud, at a charity softball game. And he is just rocking them. He is letting them fly. I don't think they're going over the fence, the normal fence, right? Softballs just don't go that far. But he's still rocking them. They're still flying. And what a shot. Great athletes can do great athletic things. I mean... Show me a highly functioning NFL player who can't hit bombs like that, and that's what will be surprising. Not to take anything away from it, but C.J. Stroud, little cross-training as they used to call it, showing us all what he can do. Not nearly as impressive as what he did during his spectacular rookie season, and it is Friday, February 16th. Quick programming note, we are off Next week, although we're never really off, PFT never goes dark. The website, that is. The show, it's our traditional week after the week after the Super Bowl. Kind of regroup, refocus, refuel, and get ready for the scouting combine, which begins the following week. We'll do our usual Monday show, and then it'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, from Indianapolis, right back at it, and then into free agency, and then into draft preparation, and then into off-season workouts, and then eventually one of these days we die. Good morning! Miles, how are you? Well, we are another Friday closer to death, Mike, so, you know, it is appropriate that that is how you begin the show. I, I, honestly, I, I cannot believe that we're going to be in Indianapolis, you know, a, a week from Monday, Right, that's crazy. the The way the season goes now, with the extended week, and that just makes it so that it's two weeks from the Super Bowl to the combine. It just boom, you know. What are you doing the off season? What off season are you talking about, man? There's no. It just keeps going. <laughs> that's the ultimate litmus test for the people that I run into here where I live. Yeah. Oh, hey, football season's over. What do you do now? Oh, you really don't know. You really, you really, <laughs> when you say I love your website, you really have never, ever been there, at least not after football season, because that's when things get even more hectic. There's more craziness. Right. There's unpredictability. There's the plausible hope of this year being your favorite team's year, so you're locked into all the moves that are being made. And I hope that the fans of all 32 teams believe this year could be their year and they don't just shrug and say the Chiefs are going to win another one, which is what I kind of wanted to pick. It's all just <laughs> prelude to another Chiefs championship. But, yeah, uh, we, we don't stop until, like, middle of June to middle of July, four or five weeks. But even yeah. then, even then, like next week, we're off. I'll probably do 
three to five episodes of PFTPM because there's always something to talk about. No matter how slow of a news day it is, there's always something to talk about with the NFL. The NFL has become a round-the-clock, round-the-calendar, year-after-year-after-year source of intrigue, even when there won't be another game that counts until the Thursday after Labor Day weekend when the Chiefs open the season against maybe the Ravens, maybe the Chargers, maybe the Texans, maybe we'll see C.J. Stroud that night. Regardless, that's when the Chiefs get it started. Bengals are another possibility. That'll come out in May. That's another one. They've mastered this calendar. I don't think they sat down and planned it. It just kind of happened. But it happened so perfectly. Scouting combine. Then the free agency explosion. Then that dies down a little bit. Then everybody starts focusing on the draft. Then the draft happens this year in Detroit. Then we have the off-season workouts, and then they slow down by June. And then in July, it all starts up with training camp. And then you're, you're on a seven-month roller coaster ride, one day after another, one Sunday after another, one Monday after another, one Thursday after another, whatever other days they can play games, however much more cheese Friday. they can cram into the crust of the pizza, and then Super Bowl. Yeah, Friday to start the season in Brazil. Yeah. People yeah. have asked me about that, too. Let me say that. It's not on the rundown for today, but – Sure. It's a given that once we get into September, you can't have NFL games broadcast on Fridays or Saturdays. That's part of the Sports Broadcasting Act of 1961 that gave the NFL its broadcast antitrust exemption that allows it to sell all games as a package instead of having the chaos of the Cowboys getting $2 billion a year for their home games and teams that no one cares about, and I won't name names, getting far, 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 far less than that, it doesn't kick in until the second Friday of the month. And it's like they just finally figured out, hey, whoa, hang on a second. In some years, the second Friday of the month doesn't happen until what would be our week two. We have an opportunity, and this year is one of those years, where Labor Day weekend lands at a time when there hasn't been a Friday or a Saturday. Not that they'll infringe on Saturday, but they could. That's the next place you could cram more cheese into the crust of the pizza. You can play that Friday, and you can play that Saturday. When Labor Day weekend doesn't include a September Friday or Saturday – the second Friday or Saturday doesn't come until week two of the NFL season. So they're getting away with the Eagles hosting a game in Brazil. And you watch just a matter of time before they make it known to their broadcast partners that might be inclined to televise college football on that first Saturday night in September. We're going to have a game that night. We're going to have a game that night. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Good Lord, why wouldn't you? Take over that whole opening weekend when you can. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Welcome back, football. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that makes a lot of sense. It's basically where we're already headed. I mean, anytime the NFL has been able to take a day, right, like Christmas, for instance, you know, we'll see what happens when the schedule comes out this year for uh, the Christmas Day games, whether or not they will actually play a game on Christmas. They have said they will not. We'll see. But that's what we've seen in the last couple of years, right? They've taken over Christmas. Christmas used to be the NBA's day. It is not the NBA's day anymore, at least when it falls on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday at this point. Yeah. The Grinch also said nine months before Christmas he wasn't going to Whoville either, and that's basically what the (laughs) NFL's position is. And if they don't, if they don't play games on Christmas Day when it lands this year on a Wednesday – that will be out of character. That will be bigger news than if they do reverse course. Because I think once it's time for the owners to collectively discuss this, how do you come to any conclusion? And Peter King gets mad at me when I say this. It's like, Peter, I'm not advocating it. I'm just acknowledging reality. I'm not pushing them to do it. Do you think they're really going to listen to me? I'm just trying to anticipate 
what the oligarchs are going to do when they're hanging around eating caviar and drinking whatever expensive, like you can't even buy it in a store liquor and hand-rolled Cubans that were rolled by Castro himself, right? It's a little smoke. You know more about that than me. I don't know. I don't know that Castro ever rolled any himself, but if anybody can afford him or get him, it's somebody that owns an NFL team. When they're doing their thing on the lawn at wherever the league meetings are this year, somebody's going to realize, why are we going to stand down from Christmas? Why are we going to back off and just give it back to the NBA? The ratings the second year of the NFL's Christmas takeover – were dramatically higher. You're going to give up that momentum? No, they'll find a way. That's what they pay people to do. Hey, Roger, tell your people to find a way. You got that fancy computer that spits out all these potential schedules. Add in Wednesday, December 25, and give us three games that day. Hell yes, they're going to do it. And if they don't, that is worthy of an above-the-fold headline in every paper in America. Well, I mean, the, it, it's the it becomes the mechanism, um, uh, the mechanisms of how do you do that, right? You know, Saturday games, then you, know, you use flip those opponents to sun, uh, uh, the next Wednesday, la la la. So yeah, I mean, that's that's a discussion for May. I feel like I don't we don't need to talk about that. Today. I know. But yeah, that's, that's the fine. kind of thing that but, you know. Whoa, 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 man, whoa, jeez. The guy's Sorry. telling me what I can talk about on my own damn show. Holy no, crap. Just... <laughs> Holy crap. I mean, it's, just, it's just, it just seems very wildly irrelevant for February 16th. Where it's like, but how see, are we going to, what's going to happen on Christmas? Like, I don't, I don't freaking know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> but we started down this path organically we and did. natural. That's what you got to understand about this. If you're going to do this show, you got to understand the first 15 to 20 minutes at times, yeah. especially when Thanks, you're in a whole lot of news. Like I can. I can tell when yeah. I look at the. Rundown, I haven't been doing this like, show for this two really, years, two and a half. Well, how maybe hell, it's almost three years. I I don't know how this show works. Right, <laughs> but the more you do it, see, you, you should regard this as a compliment that I am at a level of comfort with you, or at least I thought I was, where well, I can engage in the same banter that I engage in with Sims. That's uh, okay. a positive. With Peter, with Shireen, with you previously, it's get right to business because there's no banter. And then I try to have banter, and you try to shut the door in my face. What the hell, man? Well, sometimes you act like Robert Dunder, and you know what? I need to be Michael Scott. Shut the door in your face, man. By the way, by the way, uh, by the way, I still can't get over this damn jet lag. I mean, what the hell? I can't fall asleep before 2 a.m., I cannot mm, fall asleep before 2 a.m. I mean, and then when I inevitably you. you're, do, you're a little cranky. I am very cranky because I'm pissed <laughs> off that I can't fall asleep before 2 a.m. And Jerry Seinfeld used to do this bit about night guy and morning guy. And night guy mm-hmm. would be staying up late and partying. And that's morning guy's problem. And then, you know, morning guy's like, I hate night guy. That's how I've been all week. Because <laughs> I, like, hit a groove at 11 where it's like almost I'm manic and it's like, oh, work, 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 work. Oh, I'm working on uh, you know, read, reading a book and doing this. Oh, it's 2 a.m. I'm really not tired. I need to force myself to go to sleep. And then that alarm goes off at 630. And it feels like an ice pick right into my temple. So I hope that this next week will get me to recalibrate my body and sleep like a normal human being again. Not that there's much normal or human about me at this point. All right. Let's get to but you you were lucky. You didn't have to leave your natural time zone. Your little quick trip. What is it? A twenty minute flight home? Back to hell? <laughs> it's forty five, thank you. And you know, I think it's been wow. pretty heavenly wow. out here. It's been sixty five degrees, sunny. Went to the beach the other day. It's beautiful. The thing that, that got me about the trip though is that like once you get into like NFL centric universe, it feels like for me it's a different time zone because a lot of times that's where we go to some different time zone or whatever, like in Indianapolis, it's going to be sort of the same thing. You're in a convention center for most of the day. You know, you're in a, a windowless ballroom sitting there typing la la la. 
and it's like, oh, I, I don't really know what time it is because usually, you know, we don't, I don't do stuff from a different location other than my home. So it's just like, my brain gets a little jumbled too. And frankly, I was staying up a lot later in Las Vegas all week than I normally would for reasons. So, you know, this week's been an adjustment for me too, by the way. The other thing too, the whole time zone stuff, I mean, that drives me nuts because I'll have my regular post-show radio stuff and I try to fit that in with when we're taping interviews and sometimes it's Eastern time, sometimes it's Pacific time. You got to subtract three hours, sometimes two hours for spots in Chicago. And then, you know, I was going to give you a hard time because when you're sitting there typing, you don't know what time it is. Your, your computer does have a little thing up at the top, right right here, right here, that tells you what time it is. But sometimes yeah. that doesn't change when you go to a new time zone. My, on my wife's computer, like, it oh, didn't yeah. change all week, so she was even more messed up than I was. <laughs> I can't remember if it actually did change, but there was a point where she showed me it's like it hasn't changed. So that makes it even worse. All right, we have wasted 15 minutes of your lives this morning that, that you will never get back. For you? And for that... For that, I do not apologize. By the way, by the way, before we segue into what's happening in the world, and I don't want to go back down yesterday's rabbit hole, I anticipated a lot of hate mail yesterday, a lot of negativity yesterday, and you know, not just in my email inbox, but also on Twitter. I was overwhelmed by how many people agreed with everything we said and how few felt compelled to chime in and disagree. There were some, yeah, but it was 9.5 to 1 positive. And on one hand, it made me feel good. On the other hand, it made me feel even more depressed about this state of affairs because that reflects what we were saying yesterday. The will of yep. the people is being ignored by the people who are in charge of responding to the will of the people. Yes. Yes. Oh, you're throwing to me here? Yeah. Um, I, I would agree uh, with no, you. No, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. I just stopped talking. If you want to talk, you, you can. I don't want to spend okay. a lot of time on it. I just wanted to say thank you to everyone out there that, that agrees with us. And thank you yeah. for confirming my belief that we, we want change. I just, yes, we got to figure out how to get it. That's all. Yeah. I, no, I, and I agree. I mean, I, I received um, some really positive responses to as well. And I, I do appreciate that. And, you know, there were a couple of negative, but, you know, like you said, it, it was, it was very positive. And, you know, I, I, I do appreciate the sentiment too, because look, you know, if enough of us hopefully are, are behind the same things, then maybe that will eventually drive change. But, you know, we'll see if that actually ends up happening. And we shouldn't be the voices of reason on this. This isn't our lane. Right. But I <laughs> think really what not. we said yesterday, and one of the things one of the things I heard was you guys articulated exactly how I feel, and I didn't even realize I felt that way. Mm. So if we're able to do it, it tells you how obvious it should be right. to those whose job it is to effect change that reflects not only the will of the people, but also the right thing to do, because sometimes the will of the people needs to take a back seat to the right thing to do. That's what true leadership is. But when the will of the people and the right thing to do are exactly the same, I almost said the word thing, mm-hmm. what, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Right. Yeah. What are, where, where, yeah. Where, where are our taxes going? All right. Yeah. Uh, they go to D.C., and today's Hey-o. news, there's a transition. Ahead. That's a segue. That's in a professional DC. broadcaster right here. There we go. Cliff Kingsbury, the new offensive coordinator of the Raiders. Oh, I mean, the commanders. It was going to be the Raiders Oop. until something happened. I don't know what happened. I, I, <laughs> we, 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 we did cross paths with somebody fairly prominent from the Raiders organization last week. I won't name names because I always assume things are off the record unless – you know, the person gives me the green light to say it, but this prominent person, and you know who I'm talking about that we bumped into in Las Vegas last week with the Raiders organization said, it's kind of hard to compete with Magic Johnson when he decides to get involved. So Cliff Kingsbury goes from the Raiders to the commanders. Here he is yesterday meeting with the media on the type of quarterback he's looking for and also his time working with 
the presumptive number one overall pick in this year's draft, former USC quarterback Caleb Williams. Here it is. Uh, the Chiefs quarterback? That'd help. Uh, no. Um, I do think the game, as you can see, you watch those guys, Brock and him at the end, like when the money's on the table, you got to be able to make some plays um, with your feet, move around enough to escape a bad play. And that doesn't mean you got to run like Lamar or Kyler Murray, but you better be able to move a little bit and um, buy yourself some time because the, the D-line, the rushes, the defense these days are so good. And, and then the intangibles, you know, you want that – player to be the hardest worker on your team you want him to lead those guys um each and every day when when he shows up in the building you want him to lift the building up and um that's why those guys make the type of money they do yeah he's a great kid there's no doubt and and like i mentioned earlier just getting to watch lincoln um from afar and and observe him and and how he coaches and how he schemes things up and his processes was huge and and then just being around the younger players and and really diving back into the everyday teaching sometimes when you're a head coach you you step back from the one-on-ones um a little bit and and this allowed me to get back into that vein i'm seeing here that oh first of all before i say that it's a shame if sam howell doesn't get a chance to at least compete. And I don't know why they would move on from him. He's in the third year of a slotted rookie contract. Fifth-round pick, I believe he was. Fifth or fourth. I think it was fifth. Like, they're not paying a lot of money for him to be on the roster. I hope he gets a chance to compete. Because a lot of the stuff that Cliff Kingsbury was saying, Sam Howell did it last year. Do you just give up on the guy? Because he was part of a team that overall underachieved as he was thrust into the fray as a starter for the first time ever, a team that was transitioning from the tremendous level of dysfunction under Dan Snyder into a post-Dan Snyder existence. What did we expect? I mean, he stayed healthy. He got banged around all year long, got hit, got sacked. He's able to use his feet to buy time. They just need a better offensive line. They need a better team. He might be the guy that, that Cliff Kingsbury and Dan Quinn are looking for. So... You know, sometimes change just for the sake of change because we got to wash away, we got to cleanse the palate from the last team. You know, you end up with the guy we're going to talk about in a few minutes, a Geno Smith, who gets exiled to being a backup before he should have been. And hopefully people learn that lesson. And if Sam Howell does get thrown overboard by the commanders, he gets a chance somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, Sam Howell has some stuff to him. I mean, I think that there are traits there, but I also think that when you get sacked as much as he did, you know, it's not necessarily just offensive line. A lot of that is on the QB. And so it becomes a balance of can the QB use his feet to do good things or is the QB just using his feet to buy time, buy time, buy time. Oh, no. Uh, 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 and then he gets sacked. Like that's I, I think that's kind of what the difference is. And it's not like you know, he's a veteran. So there are things where you can say, all right, yeah, let's let's train you up a little bit more. Let's make sure you're seeing the game the right way. La la la. But I think part of it, too, is. Toward the end of the season with the commanders, Jacoby Brissett comes in and the offense like blooms, right? You can see that it it takes off in a way that makes it look like, wow, Sam Howell might have been holding things back. So those are the factors that I think come into play there. We we're talking about why Sam Howell is just, you know, not necessarily a part of that discussion. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but I also remember what I saw, you know? Yeah, it's a good point. Good point. Won't dispute that, but Sam Howell still at a point from a financial standpoint where they could keep him around and yes, let him definitely. develop. He hasn't developed definitely. yet. And he's developing in a different way than we see other quarterbacks develop. Getting thrown into the fray, and I'm a firm believer in getting thrown into the fray if you're like a first or a second round pick. Cause because my, my point always is if you don't think this guy's ready to be thrown into the fray, don't draft don't him with a first him. round pick, especially a high first round pick. Don't pick him. With Howell, I think it was different because of everything that was going on. And, yeah, Brissett, a more tenured, experienced, underrated option. And between the two, far more likely Sam Howell will be back because of the financial aspect than Jacoby Brissett. I did not know when I made the comment about the high-profile member of the Raiders organization saying it's kind of hard to compete with Magic Johnson that Cliff Kingsbury was asked about that yesterday. I see that right here in our rundown. He would Mm -hmm. not comment on what happened with the Raiders and Magic Johnson's involvement in getting him to D.C. Now, this may be a situation where Kingsbury's representation was saying one thing, but the reality was something else because the notion was the talks broke down, that they couldn't finalize the deal. And look, in the NFL, anywhere, 
anywhere that you do business in written contracts, nothing is done until it is done. It's always risky to have verbal agreements that are not honored because it is a small universe and you start pissing people off when you think something is done. You got to do business with those people in the future and that's problematic. But we have seen time and again examples of nothing is done until it's done. I think of the failed effort to trade A.J. McCarron from the Bengals to the Browns several years ago Mm -hmm. and how upset the Bengals were because the deal wasn't done. Well, there's a procedure. Both keys have to be put in and turned. You have to say the magic words. You have to communicate the information to the league office the right way. There was a, a failed effort years ago. Draft day trade between the Bears and the Ravens. And the Ravens were pissed off because they had the deal and the Bears didn't get their side of it called into the league office. So they didn't have a deal. There are procedural requirements. When you're talking about something like this, until Cliff Kingsbury scribbles his name at the bottom of a document, it's not done. If Magic Johnson got involved... All's fair. That might <laughs> cause like, problems for Cliff Kingsbury in the future. That might cause mm, problems for his agent in the future in a small shop. Mm, but yeah. the fact that he wouldn't comment on it, like, if, if you won't comment on something like that, you got nothing good to say. True. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like when Josh McDaniels was supposed to become the Colts coach, right? And, you know, they Even announced better example. that he had, yeah, they announced that he had agreed to become the Colts coach. And then he wasn't the Colts coach anymore, right? And they ended up having to hire Frank Reich or Reich if you are David Tepper. Um, so that, you know, we can say whether or not that worked out. But yeah, that's one of those examples of it's really not done until it's actually done, even if it's a coach. Yeah. David Tepper had a little, a little caviar caught in his throat when he, when he said Reich. That was why that uh... – anyway. Um, the commanders do have the second overall pick. And – Caleb Williams is out there. He's been very quiet on the Caleb Williams front. Last summer, as they were, and I still haven't, I don't, I should know this. I don't know which agent is representing him. That's going to be a fairly key, important piece of the Caleb Williams experience pre-draft. But last summer, when there were negotiations with agents and there were just preliminary talks about what Caleb is looking for, I had heard through the agent grapevine that, you know, there was a lot of stuff that Caleb Williams was looking for, including equity in the team, and his camp didn't quite understand. As they were talking to the agents, you can't really get that. You can't really do that. And it was about that time the league passed the rule that no equity to any employee, no players, no coaches, we're not going to give equity to any employees of the teams. And that all kind of came together at the same time. And people still like, Oh, you made this up about, no, I'm not making that. Why, why would I make that up? Like, if I'm going to make stuff up, I'm going to make up far more interesting stuff than Caleb Williams' <laughs> dad telling agents he's interested in having a piece of equity in the team before Caleb Williams and his dad realize it's not possible. So that's all that was. But the point is this. The kid's got power and the kid's got leverage. And I do two spots a week on the score in Chicago, and obviously they are even more – taken with the Justin Fields versus Caleb Williams question than anyone else in the country. And they're obsessed with it as they should be because we're all in a holding pattern as we wait to see how this is going to play out. We're reading the book with blank pages there. There's nothing to read until you get to the end, but they're stuck on the blank pages because you can't get to the end until it reveals itself through the normal process terrible one thing i said a couple of weeks ago and i hadn't yeah it's a terrible book all blank pages i mean what the (laughs) hell um but uh but anyway um if caleb williams wants to go play for the commanders there are ways he can send that message without stepping into the spotlight of scrutiny and hatred and animosity that you and i both know most fans will heap upon him because it is an honor and a privilege to be drafted. It is an honor and a privilege. Boy, if only the government could have pulled that off with military service, they never would have had an issue in the 60s. It's an honor and a privilege to be drafted. It's not. It's not. First time. Hey, I don't know if you had February 16 on your 
Bingo yeah. card, but yeah, yeah, it's not an honor and a privilege. It's that's bullcrap. Caleb Williams should be allowed to pick who he's going to play for. Every player coming out into the draft should have the same freedom that he had to pick a college. Now, you sign a contract, you don't have the same freedom to transfer from college to college. It's a different issue. That's where the metaphor falls apart. But they should have the ability to pick the first team with whom they sign a contract. And I think back to 2012, there was some stuff going on behind the scenes with Robert Griffin III and Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck was regarded as the clear-cut better guy. But I remember guys like Tony Dungy saying, I'd take RG3. And RG3... If he wanted to, he could have made it more interesting for the Colts, but he didn't want to play for the Colts. He wanted to play for Washington for a variety of reasons. So when the Colts invited him to go visit, he just didn't. Yeah, I'm not. No, no, thank you. I'm not going. So you pick up the vibe that the guy didn't want to be here. There's a way for Caleb Williams to send out the vibe. He doesn't want to play for the Bears. If he doesn't, this is all premise. Bears fans don't, don't, don't get all riled up yet. I'm just saying. Yeah. If this guy yeah. wants to play for Kingsbury, if he wants to play for Washington, if he wants to play his home games in the worst stadium in America, if he wants to do all those things, there's a way to try to make make it clear to the Bears that he just doesn't want to be there. And for the same reasons, Miles, that I say that a no-trade clause is irrelevant in a franchise quarterback's contract because – no team is going to trade for a franchise quarterback that doesn't want to be on that team. Mm -hmm. You're talking about a guy who supposedly is generational talent and is going to be the first franchise quarterback in Chicago since Sid freaking Luckman. If he doesn't want to be there, that's something the Bears need to take into account. And then the question becomes, how big of a fight do the Bears want to pick with him publicly? Or do they just, do they just begin to leak that as they take a closer look at the film and get to know the players? You know, Drake May and Jaden Daniels. We, we underestimated them. That's their way to ease away from Caleb Williams. And I say all that because we're thinking about trade, trade, trade. Two to one, one to two, Bears to Commanders. If he wants to go to Commanders, you know, they may not even have to trade. There's a way to pull this off if, if he truly wants to be reunited with Cliff Kingsbury. It's not only contingent on a flip-flop of the first and second pick in the draft. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there are multiple ways that that could end up happening, but I, I think that it it goes back to what you started with. Right. What is the Bears evaluation of Caleb Williams and are they willing to say, yeah, we don't necessarily think that he's going to be the franchise guy that we that he is presumably going to be. And then off of that is Caleb Williams looking at the Bears organization saying, mm, I don't know if that's actually the right place for me. I mean, it's, as you said, it's not necessarily uh, a, a, a process where you get to choose. So even if Caleb Williams comes up with that kind of evaluation, if the Bears are like, I'm picking you anyway, then they're going to pick him anyway. Um, but I think it would behoove everybody if it's a copacetic situation where you're saying, all right, I want to be there and you want me there. And, you know, it's kumbaya in that way. And if it's the Bears, great. If it doesn't end up being the Bears, then, you know, A, are you going to trade that number one overall pick, which I think would make some sense, right? If that's the way they would go. If, if they don't think that Caleb Williams is going to be the guy, they being the Bears, then if the commanders think that, great. I mean, you go down from one to two, but then – are you then say, okay, is it going to be Drake May? Is it Daniels? No. If we're going to keep Justin Fields, then we go down from two to whatever, and then we potentially pick up even more draft picks. So that's why, you know, as you said, like it's a terrible book with blank pages, but that's the kind of evaluation that the Bears have to be going through right now that's going to go not, you know, until it doesn't, right? Whether they trade the first uh, number one overall pick or not, and we end up, I don't know when the draft is, April 28th, whatever the hell it is, and they end up picking – or they may potentially trade it before as they did last year. And, you know, the Panthers end up getting uh, Bryce Young at number one overall. I remember last year the Bears fell all the way to number nine in that trade with the Panthers. But at one point during the season, David Tepper alluded to the reality, as it was reported by some at the time, 
that initially the Bears were going to flip-flop with the Texans, one and two, and then the Bears potentially were going to move again from there, but the Bears decided not to make it that complicated because there's this belief that if the Texans, and this was all part of the effort to justify picking Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud, the point David Uh Tepper was trying to make, and he didn't do a very good job of making it, not because he threw a drink on somebody while he was trying to do so. He just wasn't getting his words out the right way. The point was, if it would have happened... Bears, Texans, flip-flop, Texans would have taken Bryce Young, and then if the Bears and the Panthers had done a deal for two and nine flip-flop, the Panthers would have had C.J. Stroud. So it was all part of this effort to say everybody wanted Bryce Young. Everybody thought Bryce Young was going to be the guy. Everybody. It wasn't just me deciding – with no skill or ability or experience or insight in evaluating football players that I wanted Bryce Young. It wasn't just me. It was everybody else. It was all the people who worked for me, who knew it was good for them to agree with me, and it was people who don't work for me as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of ways this can go. But my overriding point is this. We saw Mm -hmm. it with John Elway in 83. We saw it with Eli Manning in 2004. And I'm trying to get people to understand this. Think about it. If this was your son, your brother, your cousin, your nephew, your friend, your client, anybody you care about as more than just a robot that puts on whatever helmet is issued to him and goes out and plays, they have power. And it rarely gets used. And there are subtle ways to exert the power. And if you try the subtle ways and the attitude from the Bears is it doesn't matter, we're still picking you. The question then becomes, at what point do you try a not subtle way? At what Mm -hmm. point do you have the nerve, the courage, the audacity, as some would say, to tell the world, I don't want to play for the Bears? And Eli Manning was lucky because he had a dad who was very well known, who had played in the NFL, who was the one who provided the voice to it, mm-hmm. even though it was Eli who didn't want to go to the Chargers. Right. Eli got criticized less than he would have because Archie's the one that took the heat for it publicly. And anyone out there would do that for their son. Archie was in a position that people would listen and it would be covered and it would be written about. So just something to keep an eye on. Because it's not as clean and simple as just trade, trade, trade. It could be that Caleb Williams tries to get the Bears to not. And that's the other side of it, too. Or the Bears are going to trade the pick to somebody. What if somebody wants to trade up to get Caleb Williams? You better be damn sure Caleb Williams wants to play for you before you make that trade. That would be the worst outcome. We have the first overall pick, and we're going to take Caleb Williams. Hey, Caleb, we got some good news for you. We have the first pick in the draft. Oh, uh, I got some bad news for you. <laughs> so anybody that's thinking about trading up to number one, part of your due diligence is make damn sure the guy wants to play for you because, you know, I, I just I want someone to be the first one. I want someone because I th- just think it's the right thing to do. Somebody needs to break this mold and get us all out of this fever dream that it's an honor and a privilege to be told where you're going to start your NFL career. It should not be. It should be a choice that's made by the player. All right. Yeah, but that, yeah, I mean, think I of the criticism Gino's, that would be levied. Ahead, Sorry, I, just the thing of the criticism that would not be levied here, on the not person here. who does that. Yeah, I know, I know, but I know. I, I'm saying by the Bring world it. at large, man. Like that's not. I know that's a that's I'm, a tough battle to to wage. You know, I'll this, fight this them all. Somebody... I'll fight them all, <laughs> and I fight dirty. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the player. <laughs> that's not. I know, you know that, but I'll on the nice. ball bat- but I'll tell you right now, on behalf of whatever player it is, I will fight like hell against anyone that criticizes him. Okay. That's all I got. All right. I'm sure Caleb Williams is happy to know that some guy he's never heard of is going to yeah. fight like hell Florist, in the event uh, that Caleb Williams doesn't like want to play for the Bears. Is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe I just should be a florist. Around any corner. Within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat. 
protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Sometimes your cat can be a mystery, like when they get so attached to certain cardboard boxes. <laughs> but when you use Fresh Step Cat Litter, there's no question that you're making your cat happy thanks to amazing odor control. Fresh Step Clumping Cat Litters prevent stinky crumbles and make scooping easy by locking in liquid and odor immediately. That means you can keep your house clean and your bond strong. There's no mystery here. Find Fresh Step Cat Litter at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliate. Okay, mentioned Geno Smith earlier, and I can't remember why, but I know the name came out of my mouth. One of the realities of his contract that he signed last year, the Seahawks have the ability, it's a three-year deal, and we're approaching lie about the value of contract season, and reporters (laughs) lie to the audience about it too, knowing damn well they're lying to the audience about it. I mean, really, really, folks, you know, a lot of these, I'm not going to name names, but all of them, all of them the traffic in letting you know who signed where. Part of the quid pro quo to get the text, the group text from the agent, is you have to tell everybody the numbers the agent tells you without pausing to think it might be bullshit. So just know that's coming. And you'll get the truth here and at profootballtalk.com about what these contracts are worth. Geno Smith, three-year, $100 million deal. Oh, no, wait, it's more like three years, 75, and it's not three years, it's year to year. The Seahawks had the ability, because I think the ship has sailed, because if he's on the roster today, yesterday was the day they had to get him cut by 4 p.m. Eastern time. He's not. He's got a fully guaranteed 2024 base salary of $12.7 million. He's got another $9.6 million in roster bonuses to become fully guaranteed on March 18. But this was the big chunk. This is the $12.7 million. So Shefty reported yesterday after we pointed out to everyone this is the day that the Seahawks have to pay or get off the pot – Shefty reported they are going to allow that $12.7 million to become fully guaranteed. And it doesn't really surprise me because it's only $12.7 million. That's a bargain. Even you throw in the other 9.6. Yeah. I mean, low $20 million for a starting quarterback is a steal as veterans go. The only way you're getting a better deal than that is to draft a guy and put him on the mm-hmm. field right away. So it's a good deal, and and if they would cut him before the nine point six million hits, well, okay, we have offset language in our contract. He goes somewhere else, and we're going to get credit for that. You know, whatever he makes somewhere else. I don't know how much he's going to make somewhere else, but I think that's part of the the process that it doesn't have to be absolutely positively he's our starting quarterback. They still have some flexibility. Even though twelve point seven million of salary for next year is now fully guaranteed for Geno Smith, yeah, they, look, they do have flexibility, but I, I think when you're the Seahawks right now and you look at what Geno Smith has done over the last couple of years, it makes sense to keep him around. I mean, he was not as good in 2023 as he was in 2022 but he was still very very effective you know I mean you're you're still talking about somebody who had a 65 percent completion rate 20 touchdowns nine interceptions so you know they did not make it to the postseason that's part of why they replaced Pete Carroll but I think if you're Mike McDonald you're John Schneider you're looking at the landscape of quarterbacks you know you could still have Geno Smith in there use him as the proverbial bridge guy to whoever is next. If you decide that somebody in this crop of QBs is the next guy for you, that means you don't necessarily have to rush that next guy in and play because you have somebody who is reliable and da 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 da. And you can do the Alex Smith approach in 2017, right? You can do what the 49ers in theory were trying to do with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. So I mean, let that guy sit for a little bit until um, he's ready to play. So I, I think all of that makes sense, especially at the contract level where Geno Smith is. You're not even talking about paying him really $30 million. Like, that's a crazy good bargain for a veteran quarterback who has been good over the last two years. And it could have been north of $30 million <clears throat> this year for Geno Smith, and this is the best example as to why he did – 
regress in comparison to 2022. He had five different factors in his contract, each of which would have increased that roster bonus I mentioned, that $9.6 million, by $2 million each, up to $10 million more in that roster bonus that's due. And they were factors that were statistical, touchdown passes, yards, completion percentage, team wins and playoffs. There was one more. I can't remember what it was. Passer rating. He didn't match 2022 in any of those. He didn't hit a single one of the five $2 million triggers that would have bumped that 9.6 higher and higher and higher and higher. It's one of the reasons why the initial reporting was crap of three years, $100 million, because as the agent put it out there, it had all that stuff in there like he was definitely going to earn it. $10 million he could have earned for this year, gone forever, because he regressed in 2023 relative to what he did in 2022. But at that rate, and also, even though it's a new coaching staff, the same GM is there. And John Schneider's fully in charge now. He's the guy that signed him and paid him. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? How do you not go forward with a guy, and it's all dollar for dollar. What are we getting dollar for dollar? For low 20 million, it's a damn good deal. His performance more than justifies that amount. So we go forward, and it may be an Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes situation if they would only be so lucky to draft a guy who becomes Patrick Mahomes. But an idea where Geno plays this year, and then next year the baton gets handed to someone else. Here's new offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb, who was with the University of Washington. Then he was with Alabama, and now he's back in Seattle as the offensive coordinator. Here he is yesterday talking about what stands out about Geno Smith. I think he's got good presence. Um, I, I've been impressed with, you know, his decision making. I, I thought, you know, last year in 22, I think he led the league in completion percentage. I think that says a lot in this league when you talk about how hard those decisions are. Number one, and then how tight the windows are. To, so to be productive at that level um, and be the best in the league at it, I think says a lot. I think he pushed over 65 percent last year. So it just shows that. He's got the ability to be accurate and, you know, make good decisions. And that's what, you know, ultimately you need a guy that can lead, be smart, tough, and dependable, and, and make good decisions. And I think Gino is more than capable of doing that. You know, it's funny. When the head coaches are hired, it becomes business suit season because it's the press conferences. And I think this year most of the guys didn't actually show up with business suits. Mike McDonald, for example, went with the Andrew Whitworth collection of the hoodie mm-hmm. with a sport coat over top of it. Now we're mm-hmm. into, oh, so that's what that guy looks like season with all these new coordinators. <laughs> that, that was the first thing I thought. Oh, that's what he looks like. Ryan Grubb. Yeah, there, I, I can put a face to the name. There he is. Yeah. That's he him. looks like Dan Quinn. So. <laughs> I know that they, yeah. they were rumored to have hired Dan Quinn or wanting to hire Dan Quinn, and they end up hiring a guy that looks like Dan Quinn to coach yeah. offense. You know, that, that's at least yeah. what I thought there. Um, you know, one thing about uh, um, about Grubb, you know, he knows Michael Penix Jr. probably better than anybody else in the evaluation of quarterback process heading into this draft. So that's another one where you look at it and you say, okay, you got Geno Smith, but is somebody going to be coming in there to be next? Now, nobody is going to know what Michael Penix Jr.'s um, uh, capability is sealing, what have you, than that guy right there. So I, I at least think that's something we got to consider heading into this draft. Oh, that's an excellent point. Now, like all quarterbacks entering the NFL, we don't know what they're going to be able to do in the NFL until they get to the NFL. That's the great unknown. I remember with Deshaun Watson, when he was drafted the same year Patrick Mahomes was drafted, there was concern that, he had too many interceptions at Clemson. If you have a lot of interceptions at the college level, you come to the next level where the target gets smaller. And, oh, what happened? The target got smaller and Deshaun Watson got more accurate. So a lot of this stuff we're not going to know until they get there. But if anyone is in a position to estimate what the projection will be, it's Ryan Grubb. The problem is I don't think Ryan Grubb has a whole lot of NFL experience. He might have had one year. When he was – first mentioned as a potential candidate and went back and looked at his background. He might have one year at most one year with an NFL team. So it's not like he can, he can really make the kind of clear projection that somebody who's been college and pro coach can make. If we're talking about, do I think this quarterback can get it done at the next level? So we'll see, we'll see what happens. They like Geno Smith enough to pay him low 20 million or at least 
to guarantee $12.7 million and still have more flexibility going forward. I mean, they could trade him. They could trade him. Easy contract to trade. Attractive contract to trade. If there's some other mm-hmm. team out there that decides this is who we want. You know, the Steelers, I think, are going to get somebody. I'm mean, all due respect to Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph. Good Lord, you could throw a rock and hit a better quarterback than either of those two guys right now. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but I mean, but I mean, this is big boy football. You got to show, you got to show me that you belong as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And Kenny Pickett in two years in the NFL has done nothing a single time other than the game against the Ravens when he saw George Pickens in single coverage and he hit him deep and they won the game with that throw. Kenny Pickett has done nothing to make me say, wow, there's an NFL quarterback. Wow, this guy's got something. Wow, this is a player to build around. It's all very meat and potatoes and not expensive meat and potatoes. Like boxed mashed potatoes and Salisbury steak is all it's been so far. And, hey, prove me wrong. Kenny, Kenny, you don't like it? Prove me wrong. You don't like I'm not the one that benched you for Mason Rudolph, okay? They kind of, you know, I mean – it's, it's, and it's not like there was an outcry in Pittsburgh when the local guy, not that he grew up in Pittsburgh, but he played at Pitt. It's not like anybody lost their mind when the guy got benched for Mason freaking Rudolph that most people forgot was even in the league. So my point is this. There's options if they decide they want to trade him because the Steelers would, I think, love to have Geno Smith. Geno Smith would walk through the door as the starter and be much better than anything that, that they had last year. So anyway, I know that was... That was mean to Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph, but I also think it was accurate. Yeah, well, um, it was mean, wasn't it? <laughs> what are you doing to me, man? Oh. I, I mean, look, I, I also think show that, for 10 days. I'm empty in the uh, tank. Uh, yeah, I see that. Um, I Yeah, I, I think that there are options with Geno Smith. I think he would be an upgrade for the Steelers as well. And, you know, I, I don't know that uh, you can throw a rock and hit a better quarterback, but there there are definitely better options out there than Kenny Pickett and uh, Mason Rudolph if you are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, yeah. I know who couldn't throw a rock and hit a better quarterback, Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph. All right, let's take a break. When we return, Mike Zimmer is back. My good friend, Mike Zimmer. I need to send him a congratulatory text message. He's back in the NFL as defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. We'll hear how he plans to improve on a defense. He gave up 48 points to the Green Bay Packers the last time we saw them on the field. That's next here on PFT Live. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. 